So this is the first episode of my podcast, which is going to have just fun conversations with people about anything. So this episode is with my friend Riley from uh, Canada, and we are going to talk about everything, I suppose. So just about COVID and the war that's happening right now and all kinds of stuff like that. So let's start it. Okay, but like, I guess officially now I am recording, (laughs) so I know when that it has started. So we have been talking for like 45 minutes (laughs) before, (laughs) but uh, that is, you know, whatever. No one has to know, I guess, now, but I mean, it wasn't really, it was, uh, I guess it was 30 minutes of solving tech issues or whatever, right? It's always like that. Yep. It's to be expected. I just wanted, I do, I do wonder where you got that nice flag. Um, both of these were greatly, I mean, the Canadian flag I've had for a while because, I mean, as a Canadian, you got to have one kicking around. But the fuck Trudeau flag is widely available on Amazon. Like, if you want one day shipping, I'm sure you could find it. <laughs> I ordered mine, oh, really? I ordered mine, like... A while ago at the start of kind of everything and just got it a little bit ago like when the like the when the convoy started to go out I was like hell yeah I want to have a flag and maybe I want to put it in my window I don't know but I ordered mine and then but I think at this point they're pretty popular you see them quite a bit I I guess so yeah you have seen them around definitely yeah definitely around here where I'm from you definitely see them all over the place and bumper stickers and stickers everywhere so without like you don't have to say where you live but in which part of canada ontario because that i think that's interesting ontario yeah is that so ontario is which big cities are in Ontario? toronto ottawa is that our main uh, ottawa toronto <laughs> our main media oh, attraction yeah, these days yeah, it's the <laughs> Yeah, it's the capital. That's right. right. So, well, so Toronto is the capital of Ontario, the province, and then Ottawa is the capital of Canada. Yeah, but so but both are in Ontario. Exactly. Right. right. Both are in Ontario. Ottawa is very That's interesting close to that Quebec the Quebec border. So it's kind of French influence, but it's close to Quebec. But you don't speak French so much in Ontario? Pretty much the only place that you'll find people that... A large majority of people that speak fluent French is going to be in Quebec. Most people that live outside of Quebec don't speak fluent French. There are some people that do. And there are some people that work for the government. Like, it's kind of considered like a one-up if you know how to speak French. It gives you a lot more opportunities. And my boyfriend and I have discussed, like, if we ever have kids, we're going to send them to the French immersion schools. So we have either English speaking schools or French immersion schools where you only speak. They teach the kids in French. It's completely free to send your kid to either one. 
why not have them speak French as well? Neither one of us really do. Yeah. Do you get it in the English speaking schools as well? Yes, only up until grade nine. All of us who have taken any of those classes don't speak French. We would not consider ourselves French speaking people. <laughs> we can get by, but we're not French speaking for sure. <laughs> You use it like a, you get it like a second language in school. Right. You start it in school and then right. you don't use it otherwise. It's quite similar to we have. We we got to choose between let's see German, French, and uh, Spanish. And of course, I I chose German and I always hated it <laughs> in school. I was still pretty good at it, but uh, I hated it. It was uh, it was okay from the beginning, but then it became such a I don't know. I I really love languages. I started loving languages afterwards when I was an adult, yeah. I guess, more like when I was 18, 19. But in school, it was such a it was almost like in my school, you also got almost bullied if you were good in German. Oh, really? Or is it because good in of like, like the your Nazi influence? Second language? <laughs> like, or is it just a nerd? No, it wasn't. It was just like a, it was kind of like the class that really single out nerds. So if you're really good in the second language class, then you were more of a nerd than, I mean, if you're good in any class, then <laughs> you were a bit of a nerd, but it's such a weird, I don't think it's like that anymore. But when I was in school, I remember like, I was really, I was very good in English and I had a really easy time learning English, even though now I have a, some kind of accent all the time because I never speak English that much. You know, I don't speak to people here in English, but I can understand it very well and I can, you know, write and whatever. You have an, like you have an accent, but, uh, but you're very fluent in English. Far more fluent than I am in any other language. So <laughs> if that gives you any consolation. Yeah, I think I get, it's just some words, you know, it's kind of like you trip up a little bit when you talk. But I remember in school, it was my, in retrospect, it's like my, one of my biggest shame is that I, I used to, at some tests I got like a hundred percent, correct? Yeah. And at some test I had, I was like, oh, I'm going to get 100% on this. So actually, I put in some errors just to like to get a, like a normal good grade, but not perfect. Because I know if I got a perfect grade, then it would be a little bit, I would be too nerdy or something. You know? Yeah. What and year were you in born? In retrospect, I think that's just awful. In 85. 85. All right. So you're, yeah. So you're like a so generation. Older, I well, guess, than you. I mean technically we're both millennials this is another point of contention mm. as to what the generations are because technically you and i are the same generation but 1996 seems to be the cutoff for millennial versus gen z i was born okay. in 1996 so i'm like on the edge i feel like i was in a different generation than you were but also i feel like i'm not gen z like when I grew up, mm. I had dial-up In internet and I, I used floppy disks when I was a young kid, but also I had Facebook when I was in eighth grade. So it's like, uh, it's like a weird, we these... like, do you know what I mean? Like I had a Tamagotchi, but also I had Facebook. Like, it's like a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you know you what know I mean? What? When I was a, yeah, when I was a kid, we didn't have internet or cell phones. Yeah. So, right. Well, cell phones That's came out when I was in so high school. so weird to say. Like, I got my first cell phone when I was in high school. Ah. 
that was like a thing. Like I got a BlackBerry. That's odd. Well, my first phone was a flip phone and then I got a BlackBerry when I was in 11th grade. That was like a big deal for me. <laughs> it's a bit odd because we, I basically also got it in, no, I guess not high school, I guess middle school kind of when we had our first mp3 players and stuff too yeah see i got a cell phone when i yeah, could buy I one the... myself i had to pay for it <laughs> oh i see i see so maybe a bit later than they were actually available right yeah i had to pay know, for it for some people yeah. but then even then, my dad some got kids this would get them first... when they were younger but nobody else had a phone so it didn't it was kind of like why do you have a phone if nobody yeah. else does who are you texting kind of do you know what I mean? It took a while for it to kind yeah. of come around. Yeah. It, we actually had uh, beepers before cell phones. My, oh. I, I remember my sister had a... A pager? Yeah, what do you even call them? Beepers Pagers or like a pager, right? Like a doctor yeah. had. Yeah. So it's so weird that they had... Uh, so she had one of those and then we had... Um, what do you call it? Like a phone kiosk? Whatever. What do you call it? Like where uh, Clark Kent, you know, switches to Superman. Oh, like a phone a booth? Phone booth, like in yeah, the city, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Where Clark Kent I remember we had phone booths, like. That is the greatest description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew exactly what I knew. But it I is, knew right? That's how you can about. describe it. Yeah. 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 yeah we had, uh, it's so surreal that we had those just scattered through the city. See, when I was a kid, I, just remember I used that we to had go those. snowboarding when I was a kid. My parents would drop us off at the snowboard hill. And then we would take our 25 cents, our quarter, and put it in the phone and then call our parents from that, like, telephone. It wasn't usually always a booth. A lot of times it was just, like, a phone on a wall that you could put a quarter. And then they upped it to 50 cents. When they did that, we were all outraged because we couldn't believe that they had upped the price from 25 cents to 50 cents. We were like, this is outrageous. But that's how I used to call my parents all the time on like the phone booths. It's yeah. It's such a different world, you know. It's like it's insane how things changed from then to now. I think now people's kids text them and, all the uh, time. It, people that I work with, they'll do. I'll hear them calling on their kid, like calling their kids that are in fourth grade. Text me when you get to the bus stop. I'm like, when I was in fourth grade, my parents were like. I hope you made your lunch today, but like, good luck. <laughs> like, I'll see you at six thirty when I get home. <laughs> like, yeah, you were so much more, uh, I guess, independent when you were a kid. Though. Yeah, when you had more privacy. That's why I remember when my sister got her. Yeah, and you you had like a responsibility that you know you're gonna go home. You have your key, whatever. You can go into the house and you can kind of manage until they quit work right. and get home. Yeah, and you will walk to school i remember we just walked to school ourselves right we we actually lived pretty close to our school so maybe a a kilometer or two something they just every kid walked so it's like a, just a little train of kids walking yeah. to and from school every day and i see that because my my parents still live in the same place so i always see when i'm there you know this little train of kids going back and forth to school all yeah. the time and it's just like if you're that close i know to the it's, school. it's very different from some places i think yeah yeah, and then I guess we went home and we went to whatever they call it, after school. What do you call it? Not daycare, but... We we have after school it? programs. The place you go to after school? So, like, we would have after school yeah. programs. Some schools have them, some schools don't. But, like, yeah. where I'm from, so, like, I grew up on the center of 100 acres. So, like, I grew up on a 100-acre farm. 
So like my walk from my house just to the end of my driveway to get my bus, that's a half a kilometer. I just wanted to see how much uh, acre is. Yeah, so we have something called hectare. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I know how much so that is. An, oh, it's pretty big. Yeah. yeah. So in a hundred acres, so our farms here are usually hundred acres, or sometimes they get split into fifty-acre farms. And then back in the day, they would put oh, really? the houses so in the very center of that hundred-acre farm, because that way you have access to everything on your farms, so like the barn and the houses in the hilarious. center. And so I, like my house on my family farm is in the very center of a hundred acres. So I had to walk and we had a little bus shelter at the end. Like there was like a little shelter for my brother and I to sit in, to wait for our bus. And that's how we like got to school. And then we'd get on the bus and sit on the bus for an hour and then get to school. <laughs> that's so different from how it is here. It's just, here it's just divided in any kind of way. And a lot of farms would have more like a, a center where the house and the barn or whatever is, and then the land might be split into several areas or any kind of way. It's not just squares like that. It could be like you have a little piece of land there and you have a little piece of land there and it's kind of mixed together. And yeah, it's just so switched. But it's interesting though to hear. Yeah, so you're more, I guess you're from the countryside. Right. right, so that's where I grew up. And the reason it's like that where I'm from is because when like the person who took over my farm and who cleared it and turned it into a farm from like just bush, or we call bush like a forested area. We would call it like a bush. It, I know like a bush yeah. would be like one plant, but like if it's like a large yeah, no, forested area, the yeah, bush. we'll call it like a bush area. And so... Yeah. What happened was, is that if you fought for the British army, you as like a reward or as your payment, you would get a hundred acre farm. So that's why they're all split up oh. as hundred acre farms is because, oh, it was like a British soldier that came over and they got that farm. You had to clear it. It was all bush. It was all forest, but you had to clear it out. If you turn it into farmland, you could turn this into a really great little spot. So that's how, that's why it's all like hundred acre farms and they're kind of more like grid like and we have concessions so it'll be like oh the fourth concession the fifth concession because you have a certain amount of farms between each concession each concession is a road so it's just it's like it's all like very grid like because it was this is how the british you know this is how you're going to be compensated and these oh. are how you're going to come home that's how it like settled originally and it's changed from there but that's a, a lot, lot of in a lot in, I know the Americas, I know just in, in the US is a lot more like that just from city planning and everything. Yeah. It's uh, way more just grid oriented. And because I'm also, I work with, you know, planning roads and infrastructure. And right. it's so different. Like we think in an entirely different way here and just never really do a whole grid like that. Right. It's much more, I guess, mixed together in a lot of ways. I know we just have names for all the roads in different ways. We don't have like, you know, the 44th road or something like that ever. So I think that's maybe similar to all those, uh, similar to <clears throat> in that way too, right? In the, you know, how farms are divided or whatever. And it does, I we was, do uh, have names for the roads. It just depends on which generation you came from as to what you call the yeah. roads. So if you're from my father's generation, 
you call them first concession, second concession, third concession. If you're from my generation, you're a mix. If you're from like the generation after me, you'll call them by like Heritage Road or Thorndale Road or it just kind of depends. Like there is a transition and it is it's very mixed. So in the farm in the farm areas, it's like very grid like. It has changed since then when like people will be like, oh, I want just the house and I'll have the farmland separate. But also we didn't have like real estate laws until I think the 70s or the 80s. So there's a lot of like really weird plots that are going on. And then we decided to be like, okay, we need to organize this a little bit more. So it's not necessarily looking like Barcelona, but <laughs> mm. do you know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Do you know how you have it with... Uh... Not exactly. Like mean? how it's like a grid. Like Barcelona, Spain is like... Oh, I didn't know that actually. I've been there once, but I didn't think of that. If I, you look at it from above, like vacation, you it's know? like very oh. satisfying looking. That's how I think of... I kind of think of New York mm-hmm. that way. You know, New York City is yeah. just very grid-like. It is. It's, it, New York City so is it's like just, that. Oh, you're on... If you're on 34th Street, yeah. you can That's make it. it. Yeah. Yeah, you can easily find from like the 35th and 2nd or um, 77th, whatever. You can know exactly how to move to another intersection kind right. of thing. Here, it's not like that at all. Do you know... Because I'm just interested. Do you know how... Um, it works with hunting. Like if you have a land like that, can you just hunt on your land or do you need anything yes. else or you have rights for that? Yeah, so my dad lets hunters on his property. As long as you ask him, yeah. that's fine to go and hunt on someone's property. However, you have to have licenses. So here, some yeah. animals, it'll be like, oh, it has to be in season and then you have to buy, you know, a certain tag so you can take certain number of animals and you have to have a tag for each one of those animals so you go to the ministry of um, resources and you say i want to buy four tags for this many animals and this is what i'm going to get it has to be like specific so it'll be like i want to get four i want to get a buck deer i want to get three doe and i buy the tags for those and then you pre-purchase that there are also like coyotes you bring in the front left paw and you get a bounty for them, right? So it's like they'll pay you. Oh, okay, yeah, depending on that. Right, so it's like it depends on what you're hunting and it depends on the season. And then if you want a fishing license, you can get a catch and release fishing license where it's like you just, you're not taking anything home or you're going to get an actual fishing um, license. And you need the uh, permission from the owner. So the owner can't just go hunt on his land without getting tags as well, Right. I suppose. Unless it's something like a coyote. And then also there's an exception if you're a farmer. So like my dad can go out and shoot coyotes. He can go and shoot raccoons. He can go and shoot anything that is threatening his farm, his livestock. Because my dad is a farmer and he has a farm that he needs to protect. He has livestock and he has crop that he needs to yep. protect. He's allowed to go out and shoot those things within reason. As long as it's, you know, this raccoon yep. was on, you know, whatever it is. But yeah. So there are some yeah. leeways on That's that. That's basically pest but, control kind right. of. Right. You're protecting your uh, property. Here it's, here it's very similar, but yeah. yeah. It's uh, similar here too, but I, 
but we don't have we don't have tags really so it's more like if it's deer then you can shoot deer we have for some some animals there are like you can only shoot a certain amount of moose and stuff like that in season yeah. so in and it's really divided into the areas and everything i was just uh as i wanted to talk about the whole covid era because mm -hmm. now also i was a. Uh, I'm a bit distracted now because now it's like, oh, is it going to be some kind of world war now? <laughs> See, know? this I was so, so interested like... to talk to you because you're in Europe. I'm like, how does it feel? I, uh, I have a whole ocean and I know nukes can cross the oceans, but I feel like I have a lot less. <laughs> and I mean, the Russians do like to creep on our Arctic, but I feel like if I was you, I'd be a lot uh, more concerned than like, I'd be like, shit is like... Yeah, we can talk about both things, right? Because because when we were talking before, I was like, oh, we can compare the, you know, how it's been living through the whole COVID thing yeah. in Canada yeah. and Sweden. I think it's kind of interesting to hear. But then Russia invades Ukraine and it's like, that's the, everyone is, that's everything everyone is talking yeah. about right now. It's like suddenly no one cares about anything COVID anymore. And fucking how and much of a badass is Zelensky? Like, like, let's just all agree that this guy we can all get behind. <laughs> see, I'm like, I'm, I guess I'm skeptical. Really? You know, because I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah, man, I would. Because. I mean, I guess I see it in different ways and I'm not, I don't have a real set opinion. I'm more like. I guess I'm always skeptical when it seems like everyone is saying one thing. Right. I, so I feel, I feel my, that, yeah. So, so it's kind of like, okay, so I, before this, I wasn't really that well read into like the conflicts between Ukraine and Russia and what the history is there and whatnot. I know there was a lot of, um, uh, I mean, there was a change in the, in the government, I think in 2011, I think, and then 2014, no, maybe 2014. Uh, and I know there's been a lot of issues between them since then. And these uh, two areas that uh, that Putin recognized as being, you know, their own countries or whatever. I know that they have been fighting on and off now for, I guess, almost eight years on the border there and it's been you know kind of like this area that some rebels are controlling and so it hasn't been really like the border is was in dispute i think and i also when i read up on it it was uh, this whole nato thing that they can't really join nato when they have a border dispute that's ongoing so that's what that was one of the biggest reasons apparently that oh it's offline what happened Let's see if you can get back in. It's, it's still going, so we can just uh, keep... Because we were talking about... Oh, we were talking, we were talking about talking Russia about the, and uh, Ukraine. Yeah, the war and everything. Yes, and what the fuck yeah. is going on? It's, um, and you don't like Zelensky? You're a little bit feel on like, the edge? Fair enough. I don't know. I'm not saying that I don't like him. I'm more... Um, Apprehensive? Guess, especially after these two years. After these two years, I feel skeptical whenever everyone is saying exactly the same thing. And I think I maybe I was skeptical before, but even more so now, because it feels like the normal camps, I guess, 
that's in politics or whatever, suddenly everyone is just on board with one kind of response and everyone wants to send more weapons and soldiers and whatever and it's just like war 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 kind of thing and that really makes me um i guess skeptical and also a bit uh worried that uh it's just that uh i've seen it feels like because i've followed different things or read up on history i guess and watched how things worked in especially in the US when they have some kind of crisis and they go to war kind of it just um, there's never as much consensus between different political camps and whatnot as when it's a war issue and there are some good reasons for that but there's also worrying things about that I feel like and then I don't know all that much about Zelensky right but Whenever someone is just suddenly is, um, I guess, almost pushed on everyone as a big celebrity that's just perfect in every way and you're not supposed to question ev anything either. And I'm not really questioning much, you know, I'm not really questioning anything really, but I'm more like I'm trying to understand the situation and why things are happening because it really came out of the blue kind of that oh suddenly putin is invading a country i mean i thought it would stop at the thing where he was um okay so he, i i thought this would happen i thought that he would recognize these two areas as being you know their own countries or whatever and then he would maybe through a back channel support the rebels and whatnot so they could take over those areas and like form their own little area and belong to russia maybe but that way he could have, I guess, conquered a bit of Ukraine and have more influence in that way without actually looking like he invaded a country. He could have been like kind of done it without doing it officially. So when he actually just move in and more officially invade and also he how he was speaking, like really like, oh, anyone that interferes is going to have these huge consequences and whatnot. And it was so... It's just so much so quickly and kind of out of the blue. So then when I see all these politicians that I don't trust and all this media that I don't trust, just say the whole they're just on the exact same. There's just the same viewpoint, the same response from everyone. What we have to do, we have to do it now. We have to do this and that. And we have to just some politicians and people that I follow on Twitter or whatever. And they're just on board with it feels like such a knee-jerk reaction that they are just oh you know whatever send guns whatever do this and it feels like you should be way more careful when you're talking about a potential escalation of war with russia that you know it's horrible that they are invading ukraine but it's also like what is the worst case scenarios here and the absolute worst case scenario is like a nuclear war right and that's not that's just something that we the main response from the main attitude from everyone should be we have to in every way try to avoid that kind of escalation and that should be the only main focus that everyone needs to have and i feel like that is not how people are discussing this issue it's more like oh you, you send whatever we got to send guns we got to do this or that and not thinking about the consequences and how it's 
could potentially escalate. I don't think that's considered enough. And I see a lot of just local politicians, whatever, that are just way too trigger happy in every kind of way. And that is kind of scary to me, I think. So I understand that. At the same time, though, for me, I come from a completely different perspective where this to me is nowhere near out of the blue. Like, I've been saying this and people have been telling me this. I have been, oh, you're an alarmist, Riley. You are reaching at straws. You are a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, look, no. Divide and conquer makes absolute sense. In 2016, we had acknowledgement that Russia had interfered in an American election. Nobody said anything. Nobody did anything, right? We've had China... They've been slowly dipping their toes. Let's see, let's see what we can do with Tibet. Let's see what we can do with Hong Kong. Let's see what we can do with Taiwan. Let's see how much we can take and let's see how much people are gonna say back. China, Russia, Iran, and China and North Korea by, North Korea is dependent on China. So by de facto, North Korea is also involved. Guess what? This has been building for years. For years, they've been, hey, let's get buddy-buddy. I know everyone's, oh, China and Russia don't get along that well. But guess what? If we want to see some superpowers buddy up, Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea want to say, let's be buddies. Let's see how much we can slowly take. Let's slowly take over land. Let's slowly take over. Let's start a genocide in China. Let's see how much people... You guys have video evidence and no, even Justin Trudeau won't even come out and say anything against us? Guess what? Divide and conquer, baby. Let's fucking send out. Let's divide the country. Let's pit the people against each other. Let's slowly take, o- take over over here because no one's paying attention to us. No one's paying attention to Hong Kong when they're too busy worried about vaccines mm. in their own country. Right? No one's paying attention to us over here. So let's take over as much land, as much power as we can, divide and conquer. Realistically, yeah, we I were mean, all I taught history like... and we were supposed yeah. to learn from it, but I don't think any one of us has. And I think we're going to see a repeat, to be honest with you. I think, yeah, I think there's some points there I, I agree with, definitely. But I think also, I don't feel like that very conspiracy theory ish i think because that is almost the like the mainstream narrative right now at least that they are trying to take over this and that but not really on china but more russia i think there's heavy focus on russia and what russia is doing and not really so much focus on what china is doing but i think most people think that china and russia you know work together which is why also these it's kind of weird with the, this response with all the sanctions because that also would drive them together a bit more. I feel like if, if we we just stop doing business with Russia, it's just like, okay, so they're going to do way more business with China. You're right, then yep. Because that's their option, right? But also I feel like when I'm just saying that the response, the, you should think a lot more about what kind of response you have to these kind of events because i i feel like maybe the you know the top leaders they i guess they do think through a little bit i I don't know what their (laughs) agenda is always you never can know i think it's really hard to tell yeah yeah but i just think that the mid-level and the normal people i guess that are in some kind of situations of power still 
they just throw things out there very without consideration is kind of how i feel when i see what they say and what they do and it's kind of like they want to you know prove a point or like prove that they're powerful or stuff like that too much when you're talking about an escalation of war with russia which is just devastating to everyone involved it's not like it's going to be oh it's going to be bad for ukraine it's going to be bad for the entire world because no one is going to if there is a full scale, like the worst case scenario, is it like a full scale nuclear war, which just kills everyone almost on the planet? Well, that's the thing. Which and is, even... uh, I mean, that is what you're talking about. Yeah. So if you're talking about that, then you have to think like, okay, so let's say what could it, I always run through scenarios in my head whenever I'm thinking about the situation. So any kind of situation, I like get a lot of different kinds of scenarios in my head and especially the worst case ones. Oh. And then other other cases right so i guess this one could result like so russia could take over ukraine entirely and be like okay we just wanted ukraine we're gonna stop here we don't want to attack nato countries or whatever because that would be a real difference between attacking ukraine and attacking nato which would be like also us the fact that we why didn't we allow ukraine powers. into nato immediately though why was it even up for debate i think that and that is an interesting thing right because from what I've seen and read now, because I wasn't that read up on the situation before, because normally Ukraine and Russia conflicts is not fair enough, you know, central in my head, I suppose, especially in like the whole COVID era where there's been a lot of things to. This is why I love politics is because there's always something that you don't know about and there's always something new. Yeah. But from I've seen also, it's just like they weren't really close to joining NATO because they do have the whole border dispute and you can't they're not accepted into nato when they don't have a set border i think there was some other country i, I forget now it's been the same thing with uh, but basically if you have a border in dispute and there's a whole uh, you can, I, I was looking into that the other day what the actual dispute is and it's basically like the russian separatists are considering a part of Ukraine as you know their territory and Ukrainians obviously don't think that and it's a dispute between the borders so it's if you look at a, a map of that you would see like there's a difference in opinion I suppose and the area is also controlled by that those rough the, those uh, separatists so that means they wouldn't be considered to join NATO and also that's interesting there's been several though, times over there's a difference in opinion yeah. in Canada as to what belongs to Aboriginal people and what belongs to Canadian people, I think we're all people. Yeah, but then. But that's the thing. There's though, not another that, country on the border. Yeah. But we no. do though. We have Russia that likes to come on into our Arctic and claim our oh, space. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Right, like that's where I'm like, I don't know yeah. what the. To me, my understanding was that Ukraine had no reason to not join NATO. The only reason that this was ever being delayed was because Russia wanted to bring up hey, we don't want NATO that close to our border, so we don't really want to accept this. And the only reason that this was... Do you know what I mean? Like, we would really rather... Yeah, to... but it's not only that. Yeah, I don't they, they don't yeah. want it, but it's not only that. There's a good... Um, I just listened to another podcast that were talking about that. There's this guy called Scott Horton from a site called antiwar.com, which is... Uh, he's very, like, insanely knowledgeable about just basically war history and everything re regarding pretty much any war and conflict in the last, I guess, 50 years or something. He knows all the details. 
and um, there's another podcast that I listen to called Part of the Problem, where, which a comedian is kind of like a libertarian comedian in, in the US. And it, they usually do like podcasts together whenever there's a conflict. So they were going through the like a lot of the history between Ukraine, Russia and NATO and stuff like that. So but it's been also there's a complex history there, but it's also that NATO has NATO countries have several times promised and said to Russia that NATO is not going to expand to the east. And they did actually expand to the east since they made those promises. I think it was Bush that also was in on making those promises. So there has been like NATO has been growing a bit, I guess, to the Baltic countries. And Ukraine were more pro-Russia before the switch in government, I think, in, in 2014. Which is, you know, debatable how that switch came to be, I suppose, you know, according to the Russians, it was basically a military coup that, you know, US helped make. And, you know, they've been known to do that. I'm not saying like, oh, if you're thinking about that, like a conspiracy, like who knows exactly what details there are. There are things that you can listen to where they do talk about that. And there are Americans that were in somehow involved in that. And I'm not, it's not so weird because obviously if Ukraine is more you know, USA West friendly, that's better for the West, right? Oh, for and sure. And if they are all in on Russia, then that's better for Russia. So, you know, you can see why. And that also more for me explains why, because for me, it's not a good explanation that Putin is a crazy dictator that just wants to eliminate the world. I think that's a lacking explanation. I think you need more. I think you need to look at issues in a more complex way than that. And that's a little bit my irritation with this is that that's what I see online is just like, oh, this crazy madman just wants to kill everyone. And it's just like, you know, I don't like him. Well, that's you, know, a, you don't have to like exactly. him to actually examine the reasons, right? right. Why he's doing what he's doing. But and if you say that now, I've seen like, I think today even, I saw people were calling different you know, calling others all kind of like Putin, lover, traitor, whatever, because you're like, why is he doing this? I want to understand the reasons because I think we should be more careful in our approach than just be like, oh, crazy dictator, throw some guns right. at it, you know? And this is why I look at... And it's really hard. I look at people that, you know, are still supporting Justin Trudeau, even after everything that they have seen. because. I won't lie. I voted Justin Trudeau. The first time he came out, the first time he ran, I voted for Justin. I have voted liberal. I have voted conservative. I have voted NDP. I have voted People's Party of Canada. I have voted across the board. I am whoever is the best for me is going to get my vote, right? I voted for Justin Trudeau before. But the problem is, is that people either A, can't think through these issues further than one or two steps. So they see something and they can't think it through, you know, oh, I understand like analytically, oh, okay, I understand how that affects this, how that affects. They just see something and they take it and they can't really think it through. It's either that, that they just don't have the processing power. It's either that they're dumb, that they just, honestly just don't understand what they're talking about 
or it's that they understand that they are contradicting themselves in what they say constantly. But the thing is, is that if what I say contradicts myself, but it gets me social validation, makes me look like a good person, it makes me feel like a good person, well, guess what? I'm going to go with that. I'm not going to question. I'm not going to, I'm just going to do and say what I think is going to be getting me more friends. Right. And that's, it's like one of the three options to me. And I'm like, I don't see any, it's either you can't like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I, yeah, I think, I think most people um, fall into that third I think it's category. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because you can really see that these last two years and now also which people are falling into what categories kind of thing yeah. i uh i'm very i guess i'm very in a way i'm a lo- very contrarian you know i've realized <laughs> that that uh if there's an issue or any kind of situation where a lot of people are just going in one direction i'm always thinking about what the other direction is you know, it doesn't really matter what it is. I'm going to it doesn't mean I'm going to run in the other direction, but it, it makes me curious what the other direction is. So I'm instantly going to try to examine the other side because I also know when I'm arguing something, I want to like switch and try to argue the other side and see how that is. So in this situation, when when it's like, oh, Russia invaded Ukraine and and uh, he's a crazy madman dictator that wants to kill the world and you should not think anymore i've seen so many people actually say that just like don't even think more than that don't you know there's no like legitimate uh, issue that they have you cannot think about that we just have to think about how to respond and how to send guns and how to do this and this and this and that just (laughs) triggers me i suppose that i'm like if someone tells me not do not think about that and don't consider that and don't like don't uh, analyze that and be like i wonder how it is to analyze that you know i need to look into that and it doesn't mean like oh yeah suddenly yeah putin is great you know it, obviously not but i feel like it, it's it's really like when you're analyzing uh, even in my job sometimes we have something called like a not a threat analysis but i guess ri- no risk analysis okay yeah so i worked in financial in any so kind of situation about risk analysis yeah. yeah yeah so that is how i think about these things i think like if you focus on one risk with all your effort uh, all your energy then you're very likely to miss a lot of important factors so you cannot spend all your time and energy just hyper focusing on one risk which is also my one of my biggest problems with this whole covid era that's just hyper focusing on one risk and one one virus and one disease and everything else is just like does not matter it does not matter if we close down the world because we only have to think about this virus you don't have to think right now like economical damage or whatever that kind of focusing and now i feel like now so many people are doing that with the whole Russia issue and be like, no, don't think about anything. You send guns. You have to stop here, do this. And I'm like, you're going to miss a lot of maybe important factors on how to respond if you don't analyze and don't think about like, why is he invading now? And what is he attacking? And why is he attacking that? And instead of, I see a lot of Swedish people now 
starting immediately worrying like what is maybe he invades sweden tomorrow you know kind of thing like what well, what if he you. just rolls tank across the border yeah i mean it's just i see people responding like that and my feeling and my how i think is more okay so why would he invade sweden right now and what would be the purpose of that and maybe there are some purposes of that but it's not a given it's not like oh now he's doing this to ukraine so obviously he's going to just keep rolling through europe and attack sweden and attack finland and do all this i think that's a cheap analysis i think though at the same time at what point are you going to consider yourself under threat because to me i have considered my country under threat for several years where i'm like i don't trust iran russia china from buddying up and taking over because it's realistically not going to be that difficult like sure we have america protecting us but are they really going to protect us are we going to end up annexed by america like realistically as canadians we're either going to look at we're going to be another american state or we're going to be taken over by somewhere else that's the way i look at it that's the most i guess that's not a worst case that's the way i look at it right like being annexed by america it's like if you're annexed by the us i mean is be, it worst case scenario not as bad is it but that's the thing though is that if we are annexed by america what does the rest of the world look like what is what does this all play out to look like and to be honest with you for several years i have been saying i genuinely think that world war 3 is being set up by i think china i think russia i think iran i think north korea are going to be very very close and i think that they're going to buddy up i think that they're going to slowly take over land i think that they're going to take us all over and i think there isn't really a lot that any of us are going to do about it because we don't want to hurt anybody and we have this certain outlook whereas they don't and if we want to look at things we've we've lived in a little bit of a utopia for a while and i think that it's we're all we're all being being very naive in the fact that it can't be taken away from us tomorrow and i think we all live in this la-di-da mm. and let's hold hands and sing kumbaya and we're always going to have this lovely community that we live in that could be gone in a matter of days in a, yeah. like it's it's not guaranteed so you better fucking take that as a privilege and i don't think enough of us do and i think that's our big problem yeah i think uh i think several things about that i i haven't so my opinion i guess is that i haven't thought that it's going to be like this big world war in that sense with you know troops on the ground and whatnot as it's been before my feeling more generally has been that especially china are already kind of fighting that war but in a, a way smarter way and in a new way you know it's the whole soft power versus hard power kind of thing that they are really influencing opinions and universities and just policy and they are kind of in a way in a lot of ways taking over what i feel i kind of feel and see how they are taking over a lot of things in the west without you know sending any tanks or whatever so that's the direction that i see so that's why i don't think that they 
I don't think that they need to, you know, declare World War Three and do it. They are doing just fine, just gaining power in a lot of different ways. I know they, you know, they invest a lot in the West. They do take over a lot like that in the West. They also uh, are really affecting universities and institutions in that sense, especially in the US. I've seen a lot of that. And I know in Canada that they there's a lot of buying of real estate and things like that. I know when I was in Vancouver that they were talking about how just so many, yeah, so much real estate and buildings were being bought by Chinese nationals that never lived there, never moved there. It's just they used to own the buildings. That's the West that's Coast a big thing. And is I, all full of it. Yeah. But you're a racist if you say anything yeah, against it. Yeah, and I think it. that's a... I mean, but yeah, but it, obviously that has nothing to do with racism. It's just, mm -hmm. okay, so if you buy yeah. a lot of real estate and power in a different country, then you can also influence that country. You don't have to send tanks and guns, right? So, and you can see, even now, the latest news in Sweden was that a Chinese company connected to the Chinese state won the bid for providing security to our biggest airport. And that was uh, just in the news the other week. Why would that ever be offered to just a foreign before this whole you <laughs> Because in Sweden, we don't... Yeah, we don't think about that, <laughs> I suppose. We, our, and that's how I feel our... Um, okay, yeah, you just feel I that your politicians to... are bought in a way that... Yeah. That's the thing, though. Why is everyone... Yeah. What is the deal with everyone being allowed to just store their money in Sweden? What is with this? What are you guys gaining from letting everybody do this? What is the benefit to the Swedes? Because I've never understood this, but everybody here knows, like... Oh, if you want to get out of town, like, you know, the billionaires, they put all their money in Sweden and they all have these, like, tax... Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... I never heard about that. Storing your money in Sweden. Really? I never heard about that. How do you store your money in Sweden? I Good hear. question. I'm not rich enough to know. But you mean, like, in a bank yeah. or something? Or storing by... I never heard yeah. about this. I'm wondering, like, is there any... Sweden and Switzerland. What is the positives of that? Because... I've heard both. I know Switzerland, but is it Sweden? I've also? heard both. You heard Sweden too? And I mean, because maybe it, I missed it, but I'm you're like... You're sure they're not like... Because Switzerland is a famous thing because they have certain banking laws and whatnot. I never heard it about Sweden, I've so heard I'm not it about sure. Sweden I can't really as well. say. And maybe I'm wrong, but I've heard that you guys are both, like, similar yeah. in that you guys just, like, allow, like, stuff to, like... Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's similar and like I said I don't, I don't know, know about the that. European laws I don't know I don't even know why Switzerland is doing it either but like I've heard this and I'm like is hmm. there a reason that this is allowed like what are you guys really benefiting just, from this I just know that, uh, that there's a very famous thing you know Swiss bank accounts right. kind of thing and that's a Switzerland thing and that's very um, I don't know exactly the rule. I, I'm not rich enough to care about Swiss bank accounts. <laughs> so, uh, but I know that is a big thing. And uh, are any yeah, of us? I never heard about in Sweden, but I know in Sw we have a we have a problem in Sweden with we do allow foreign companies to, I guess, win contracts for a lot of things. I know we had um, issues in the north with mining industries where we allowed a lot of. Yeah, it was these big Canadian companies that came and won bids for mining, Maybe and mining this is for where certain I'm minerals this. and whatever. So, like Canadian companies came I know this was to a mine thing, what? And they, 
just minerals of different kinds, I suppose. We have, you know, in the north, uh, I don't know exactly what minerals or whatever, but just, you know, metals and whatnot. And I know that there was a, there's issues with that because they were not following really like environmental laws very well. And it's also like our laws were not harsh enough to really penalize misbehavior. So they could be like, oh, they can just start drilling before they got permits. And then, you know, maybe one of our politicians would be like, yeah, we have to punish them for that. But the punishment is a lot smaller than what they gain from just not caring about so that. So it would just make more sense for them schedule, to just so. do it and then pay, like ask for forgiveness instead of... Yeah, and and they will still like they have so much influence that I don't think they even got penalized, but there was a discussion of whether they should be penalized. And even if they were to be penalized, that's way less money for them than, you know, waiting a month to start working. So right. they just whatever we just do it. And that's a huge issue from I think from our perspective and but our local politicians are just like, "Oh, but this provides this and this, you know, amount of work." and things like that. So they want to get ahead by allowing this to make their little area kind of flourish. But then you realize also that it doesn't really work that well. It's because uh, they usually bring in workers from abroad anyways. they like, oh, but we have uh, 300 Polish workers or something that we just fly in to work here for cheap. Short-term gain so for long-term really pain. Locals. Yeah. yeah. But this, uh, this Chinese thing with the uh, airports is crazy because there's like and it always happens like that they won the bid and then there's news with a bunch of politicians that are like but this should not happen this is a bad thing we can't just do this because they're connected to the chinese state but they still got the bid you know they still got the contract so then you have some people complaining but what's the result is still that they got the contract so everyone can be like a little angry for five minutes and then, oh, but now it's a war in Ukraine. So now everyone forgot that anyways. So I don't know. It's um, But I was going to say, like, about getting worried, I'm uh, I'm also, because I said, like, I, I um, play out all these kind of scenarios. So I'm, I have, a, you know, a few scenarios in my head from the beginning of this that are like, you know, I'm standing in a ditch with a rifle kind of <laughs> scenario, you know? Yeah. So... I have all those in my head. So I've already gone through, I guess, the worst case. I mean, the worst, worst case is like nuclear war and everyone dies, but then you can't really do much about it. So it's just like, okay, but then you die. So what's the point thinking so about that? Yeah. If you, yeah, it's not something to think that much about because I can't really, I can't stop something like that. It's not the biggest uh, likelihood, I don't think. And um, yeah, and if it's just everyone dies, then everyone dies. So it's not something to put too much energy into you know that's how i work anyways because i can't go around worrying about the end of the <laughs> yeah but the end of the world yeah. right it's just like oh yeah what are you going to worry about that for it just does not make any sense but i also have a in my head like oh maybe i'm if i'm standing in the ditch in my city here in two months or something with a rifle and be like oh i mean that's also horrible but it's also something that you know i can't really oh, now I'm going to prepare for that anymore. I just something that's a possibility, I suppose. That's also an but interesting also point. Do you really... stay or do you leave? Right? Like. Yeah, but where can I go? You know, it's not like, oh, Russia is moving to Sweden. Okay, so I'm going to leave where? You know, what drive to Norway or something? <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird, right? 
and uh, and then you know in that scenario everything is just more escalated so a lot else is gonna happen as well i have a that's a bit more philosophical i think <laughs> but i i always use this concept of uh, it's called acceptance right do you know about this concept i mean i know acceptance i mean there's a grief but well it's <laughs> Yeah, but it's also kind of a psychological um I mean, there's a certain concept, level, but I mean, that... how do you draw a line between acceptance and, like, I think for me, it's like, at what point do you just say, fuck it, we're just going to go down with the ship? And you know what I mean? Mm. Like, at what point do you call it? It's interesting because it's different for everybody, right? So I think that's always an interesting question. I think... Uh... What I mean by acceptance is um, how you handle uh, something that's really stressful mm -hmm. or a really stressful situation. So it might be something psychological, like if you have really a lot of issues with anxiety for some reason or something like that. But it could also be that you're put in a really stressful, hard situation that I guess the concept that was described to me that really resonated with me and helped me become a lot more... I guess a uh, tolerant of of stress is that I imagine it being like a huge wave. So if there's a really stressful or hard situation, I think of it as being a really large wave coming in and kind of, you know, going over you and like hitting you. And so if that happens, then you have the option of either like trying to stand still and really like fight it, you know, and be like, no, this wave is not going to move me at all. And that's really hard to do. And that's really going to mess you up a lot. So the way I got it explained to me that helped me become better with dealing with situations where, you know, just picturing kind of surfing along with a huge wave that's kind of unstoppable. So that's how I, okay, I get that. handle really stressful situations. So if there's a really stressful and you get like, oh, because everyone can react in a way where they get really afraid or really stressed out or whatever, especially if there's something really serious, like, oh, there might be a war in your country and Russia might invade or something, right? Then, But then if I imagine it in that sense, it's a lot easier to deal with that. I'm always just accepting whatever situation there is and then going from there kind of so it's like oh i'm in this wave now so now i have to serve kind of surf this kind of wave you know so if i always imagine that especially if there's a difficult situation then i feel like i can be kind of calm and basically i can calm down and consider my options and do what i can do you know but if i'm trying to like oh i'm not gonna let this move me this is gonna be awful then i cannot think straight and can't Really? Do you, do you see what I mean? No, I totally understand. And that's where I think there's a balance between where it's like, at what point do you just kind of like, and I think there's going with the flow. And then I think that there is, you know, like, for example, people here, there is like, even amongst my friends, people are considering if, okay, so if conscription happens, what are we going to do? How are we going to move forward? What are we, oh, okay. are we going to flee to South America? Are we going to fight for the country? What are we going to do? Right? So mm. I'm like, I understand the acceptance and the accepting the situation that you're in and making the best of it and just being like, okay, listen, 
we are in a shit scenario and we are going to fight for what we can. It's the matter of making a choice between, okay, do I stay yeah. in my country and do I fight until I die or do I flee and do I just try and do what's best for me and my, you know, feel these are the things that I'm like, oh, huh. that's an interesting, like, because to me, and I think to my boyfriend as well, yeah. like, I think both of us are kind of like, we probably won't ever leave here. Like, we would probably go down fighting. And, like, realistically, my boyfriend is of conscription age. Like, this is not something that hasn't crossed my mind. Mm. My brother, my boyfriend, they could always be, if it comes down to, if we do go into a World War Three, they might be going with, you know, not by choice, right? So, yep. like, you never know what's going to uh... happen. So it's in, it's interesting. It's like, how long do you stay and fight? I don't know. We'd have similar things here. I think that we do have a, a law that, you know, just forces you to to uh, stay and fight in some way right. or like engaged in the effort, I suppose. Right. And also it's like, I don't know where it's not like we can just travel. I guess we can drive over to Norway, but, you know. Whatever. And if, then if you're it, a draft dodger, you're that, disgraced, right? Like if you're going to yeah. like. Yeah. Personally. Personally, that is not something that I, I guess, value all that much to be draft dodging or whatever. It's more like what kind of punishment would there be for that? I, I don't want to seem like I don't care, but I think especially I was talking to someone about this um, thing yesterday and they were like, so what do you actually consider, you know, fighting for in that sense? So after these, I think especially after these two years, I have a hard time motivating it to myself to be like, oh, I really need to fight for the state kind of thing. Um, it's weird. I think it has changed a lot in just a few years now, especially with everything that's been happening now. Uh, it's like, obviously, you feel more that you want to maybe your freedom or your family or your friends or something like that. That is things that you feel more about like oh i want to protect those things and i want to keep those things but when it's a matter of oh my state or whatever how much do i feel what kind of allegiance do i feel or duty or something like that it's hard to quantify i think what i because I, I think that they've done so much crap towards individuals so i have if I, okay so let's say i'm not talking about myself and i'm just talking about someone else and they made a choice to be like no i don't want to fight for this country or whatever i don't care about that i want to take my family and we're gonna go on a boat to i don't know portugal or something right you know whatever i i wouldn't think anything bad of those people you know i would think like oh you know it's perfectly reasonable to not want to because we just had what is it now it's february so I mean, just one month ago, we had a, a state that just said like, oh, if you don't take these drugs, you cannot go to the movies. You know, you cannot. That's you're where probably we're going to lose right your job or you're going to. A lot of people can't you know, work unless they have it. Yeah. Yeah. In these. So if the state is behaving like that towards the individuals in the country and then they're going to ask people to stand there with a rifle and die for the state then that seems 
you know, I could not blame anyone to be like, no, fuck that. I'm just going to leave somewhere. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, You know what I mean? Absolutely. Fair enough. It's just, of course, for them and your family or whatever. And it doesn't even matter like, oh, I'm if you're pro or against some kind of drug or vaccination or any kind of thing. It's just the force element of it. That's just we're going to decide this for you. And you see this now also with the Ukraine situation. I think today or yes, I think it was today. There was a news about how oh, Sweden is sending all these guns now to Ukraine. Oh yeah. And we did have the thing. Do you see? I know did you we see sent that Russia troops came out over like, oh. like a couple of months ago. At the same time when Justin Trudeau was like, "We're sending troops, but also oh, yeah. we would like to resolve this diplomatically." And it was like, "Why are you sending over troops then?" But anyway, he did send troops, right? Oh yeah. We yeah, but sent now also I think Ukraine. Russia came out yeah. and. Months ago, before Russia, Russia did kind of war. threaten. Uh, I mean, have they actually declared war? And they war, did threaten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It depends on how you mean, right? And they did threaten Finland and Sweden, I think. In Finland, a specific I, don't, kind of... I don't see going down. Finland, I can see being taken easily. Yeah, Finland, you know, Finnish people really hate Russian people. <laughs> so I just can't that is see a spe- them being... special situation. But how are they going to fight back, though? Like, I mean, they did before, so they're going to think probably that they can. And you, you know the Winter War. We'll see, I guess. Do you know about that? But I don't know. I feel I mean, like I don't know anything. I don't know most. Under, my feeling is like Russia is going to, they've been building up for a while. And I feel like they've, they're a lot stronger. Because most of us are like, yeah, we're all right. We don't have huge military. But do you remember, do you, do you remember the. Do you remember the Winter War? Did you hear about that? Like, how much do you... The Winter War, like, is this, like, an Icelandic thing? Or, like, what is this? No, it, it was the war between Finland and Russia. So... Okay. That was, uh, that was a big conflict. I, I'm really bad with history I'm like Googling that. Now. But I know that, you know, the Winter... The Winter War was between Finland and Russia, and they really held their own... <laughs> in a big way against Russia and Sweden also we weren't engaged officially in the war but there was a lot of Swedish people that just went over anyway so okay, with so the Finnish people I'm not gonna lie when I google winter war fourth yeah. thing that comes up is the yeah. bizarre sausage war that inspired and I'm like hey wait <laughs> okay is this is this what I should yeah, be looking it's at? gonna be the <laughs> Yeah, it to looks see, like, like some Finland, weird right? like paganism. <laughs> yeah, it looks like some like known as the first Soviet Finnish war, a war between the Soviet Union no. and Finland and Finland. Yeah. Way back well, in the day. Oh, back in nineteen thirty nine. So way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Second World War. Yeah, but like But uh yeah. yeah, they did a lot. But you know, even then Russia were a lot bigger and stronger than Finland, but they did have a really rough time invading Finland but in any case what I'm thinking like I find it very far-fetched that Russia would just basically try to conquer Europe you know even, I don't think that's even if they realistically had China, something behind that them? what are we all gonna do but what are we gonna do like what are we gonna say we're gonna start it we're gonna, oh we're gonna start a nuclear war what is anybody else gonna do that's the problem. Like, what is Canada, United States going to do to res- in response? We're going to say we're going to start a nuclear war. That's the only thing we can do. That's what they know. That's why they're buddies. Well, <laughs> like, 
How are we going to fight back? Well, one thing is like, Russia does not have a good economy. So that is one thing that's on important to know. I think, um, yeah, on their own. But if you talk about Russia, they don't have a... I think their whole economy is basically smaller than America's military budget. I read that somewhere like yesterday. So they, they don't have... A, they don't really have the means to just, oh, we're going to just conquer the world or conquer Europe. I think they would, I think, you know, they have a rough enough time just handling Ukraine. But right? this and is where I say, going into do Europe, you not worry it, about them buttoning up with China? Yeah. Do you not worry about them butting up with Iran? Do you not worry about not them in the all sense saying, that, hey, guys, guess what? If we all get together, we can own the fucking entire world because no one else is going to be able to fuck with us? Like... This is my biggest concern. Well, I would say that I think they also realize that they don't want to eliminate the whole world with a nuclear war. You don't have and to eliminate China, all of it, just parts of it. Nuclear bombs are not well, going to kind of not because if they if they start actually and just Russia and the US go against each other with nuclear bombs that is just eliminating the whole world. That is, I think there was a scenario I was reading about where if that happens, it's basically like the most southern tip maybe of South America is where it might be like still possible to live. <laughs> and that's not going to be, even that is going to be hard because it's going to be just, yeah, everything is going to be so destroyed and, you know, whole... Clouds Do you mind whatever. if I so take a bathroom break on this thought of where it's going to be destroyed yeah. by nuclear bombs? Let's do it. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Let's have a break and oh, I have some break music. Oh yeah, put on the break music. Oh, that's classy. Let's see. I'll do that. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So I resumed. Beautiful. We're back. We're back. <laughs> Let's, uh, we're talking, yeah, we're just talking about the war. I guess, um, <laughs> yeah. we, uh, we have to follow up on the, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put in like, let's see if there is any, what is the recent events, some news page here. Is there something just happened? Yeah, let's see. Uh, no, they're they're actually talking about a peace talk right now because Zelensky agreed to have a talk on Monday. So uh, because Putin raised the nuclear alert yeah. and the uh, West added sanctions. Well, so maybe let's see what they're gonna talk about on Monday. I think it's good that it's you know maybe developing developing in that direction instead of you know I guess I am a little bit. My phone started having an alarm for some reason. <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm a little bit, not conspiratorial, but I'm always skeptical. It's been such a, it's just a weird reaction from everyone to this. And I, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it just feels weird. It feels off and it feels weird. And I don't really understand it. The whole, uh, why things are happening suddenly and how they're all responding and I also am seeing like I'm worrying a bit about what kind of um, uh, you know whenever there's a crisis I'm like what are they 
pushing through right now that they can do because it's a crisis that's going to have bad effects in the long run. So what kind of, you know, what kind of Patriot Act or whatever are they just passing now that they're going to use in a way different way, you know, in a year or in 10 years? And that's always a worry that I have. Well, that's that's the biggest concern with COVID, right? Like that's the biggest concern. Like that's why people are going to Ottawa for these vaccine mandates. That's why they're going with convoys because, hey, you know what? Sure, for this vaccine, is it like, hey, it's okay. Like we're all going to get on board and get this vaccine. But hey, what kind of precedent does that set? What are we saying when we say the government can tell you you're going to have to inject this into your body. Otherwise, you can't go to work. Otherwise, you get, what What yep. does that set? That's where all of this really comes from. So I think it's not, I think it applies to everything that we're it's all wild. facing right now. And so this is a big kind of philosophical question is where do we draw this line? Where are we saying, okay, yep. public and like personal, because really it doesn't stop the spread. Getting the vaccine doesn't stop the spread. So what are we saying in Canada? The argument is, well, it keeps you out of the ICU. Okay, well, what else? Like, at what point do we draw a line? And that's what this yeah. big question is all about, right? It all applies yeah. everywhere. But you're obviously just a, you're just an anti-vaxxer. Right. right, exactly. Even though I'm double vaxxed and don't believe that it should be a man. No, no, you're thing. anti-vaxxer. Right, because, exactly. Even though yeah. I've gotten every vaccine that I'm supposed to, doesn't matter. Still, I'm an anti-vaxxer. I'm a racist. I'm a misogynist. Yeah. I'm an anti-vaxxer. I'm a part of the fringe minority. That's just the way she's going right. to go. Yeah, according to our... And you said like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you said, oh, this is the response here in Canada. But it's interesting, right? Because it's the response in the entire world, at least the Western world. It's just the same script everywhere. And, you know, it's the exact same message here that, you know, it's about the ICUs. Right. And it's about the beds. Right. And it's about not spreading. But, okay, you can still spread. But, but no, they still go with, you know, it's against the spread or whatever. And, I don't know, it's been different. To change the topic a little bit today, because I'm like, what can I say about the war right now? Let's see what happens in another week. And uh, let's see if I'm... Uh, closer to standing there in a ditch or not you know hopefully not but uh i'm praying for i you. can't just uh you can't be consumed with that all the time right and i'm very yeah that's why i said this thing about acceptance right i'm just like okay if that happens then i'm gonna cross that bridge when you come you, to it you have to make a choice exactly like that if i can't do something right now it's more like Maybe I'm missing something I can do right now if I'm too focused on that. It's the whole like risk management thing. So, yeah, whatever. Let's uh, let's see what happens next week or something. Maybe it develops in a better direction. I will say that it's been I've been trying to find actual because I I've heard on the news like oh they're invading this city and they're invading that city. So I was like so I want to find like video of you know some Russian tanks rolling down the street or something like that. Because I tried to like find, you know, actual video, or whatever of that happening, but I can't find anything that's. I saw, I've seen some short videos of like where you can hear gunfire and some blasts, you know, kind of in the distance, but I can't see anything that's just like, have they invaded a city or have they not? I, I'm not sure. Like, it's so hard to find any real information like that. You know, you have so many headlines that like they are invading 
Ukraine, but I want to see like how what is happening. How far have they come? See where I'm from. Like if you if you're Reddit user, like I've seen tons and tons and tons of videos where like tanks are you know going running over cars or they're like you know what I mean. Like there's lots of videos that are coming out of them. I'll send you all of them. Are you a Reddit user? No. You're not on Reddit. I'm shocked really. by this. No. You seem definitely like a Reddit I've read. <laughs> I've read. No, I just read some stuff on Reddit, but I never used it, really. I never really written anything that I've really been engaged in. It can be accessible, oh, really? but it's it's not bad. Like, there are definitely, like, some spots where you can get some good stuff. It's a way stuff. to keep... It's like Twitter is also... Twitter yeah. is kind of crappy, but you can know what's happening account. right now in the world. I don't, I don't do Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I just know that, you know, if it's the best way to find really quick news is to go on Twitter and see like, oh, what's trending right now? So if it's like nuclear war is trending, then I'm going to be like, oh, oh, shit. Like, but oh, right shit. now Russia's it's still like Putin. Right <laughs> yeah, now it's just like Putin is trending. So it's like, OK, but he's going to now it's all about the um, peace talk. And then there's these uh, whatever, these kind of urban legends that started now about the ghost of Kiev that shot down it's 10 a, Russian planes or whatever. It's an, an it's anonymous guy. That's, I don't know, man. I, I don't trust. I don't trust. Like, can I can I both be against Putin and not trust like Zelensky or anyone else? This is the else? problem is know, that you should I don't be trust... allowed to do that. And this is why we are getting together and talking because you're not apparently yeah. allowed to have conflicting you're either supposed to be in one camp or the other yeah and this is the thing is that you're allowed to have critical analysis of both sides it's kind of the point like yeah and it's not even being in a camp it's not like i don't feel like i have to pick a camp i'm not i'm still not going to be ukrainian even if i were to even if i'm supporting them not being invaded obviously it's like, yeah, I don't want war. I don't want Putin to invade countries. That's going to be really horrible. But then I'm like, I want to I want to know why he's doing it right now. I want to know what's behind it. And I want to look into that. And that doesn't make me like, oh, but so you're against us then. You want to, you're, you're a Putin lover or something. It's like, what? I'm still against him. I still, I still don't want the war. Right. I just want to know why it's happening, you know, but then uh, that's basically it. But I know as these things that they run through in times of crisis is really worrisome for me. And now they, they, our, what is, she is like the chancellor of uh, the European Union and whatnot, that uh, they're banning uh, RT and some other uh, media outlets in Europe. Oh, I did see, like, I did see that. Yeah, that's like RT is a Russian media outlet, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the big Russian media outlet. And I just think that that is a, a horrible way to go to just start banning media because they for sure are going to use that, you know, in the future. It's just going to be, oh, is this Russian mis- misinformation? Then it's just banned. Right. Then it's just banned. So if I have a question, ah, this Russian misinformation, you don't have to like qualify it. You just have to say it's Russian misinformation. Right. Like in, what it's they like did in, in the US a lot after the election. In Canada yeah. too, right? So yeah, but I wanted to. Um, I thought it was interesting to like talk to about something else for a bit, and the the war. We'll see what happens in the <laughs> yeah. next week. But I, I was wondering, like, if you know, because now the focus kind of switched from the whole. I was really engaged in the, uh, I guess, situation with the truckers. You know, mm-hmm. because I started like I made a bunch of videos about it because I like 
it was really so interesting because it was such a new form of protest and such a efficient way, I thought, because it's really cool how it started there. And it's I don't think anyone any other place in the world did it quite like that until now, because there's been demonstrations here and I've been to a couple here in Sweden as well, especially after we introduced the the vaxports, the vaccine passports right. that yeah. I think we did a lot of things pretty well until suddenly in December they were like, oh, we're just going to have a caste system in, in this country now. And there was no like debate or vote or something. It's just, oh, right. in three weeks, we're going to have this system. Right. And so then there was actually like the biggest demonstrations I've seen out here. And Swedish people are not like taking to the streets normally in demonstrations, right? It's a very, but it was like that. But then it kind of like, I don't know if it, how much it matters. I know that it was cool to see that so many people actually do care and are against these kind of systems. And it's not one kind of person, you know, just like in Canada, we had media coming out like, oh, it's right wing extremists. You know, there was a warning from our uh, like secret police that these are right wing um, environments and uh, dangerous and whatnot. And, you know, I go to this um, is went to see this the big demonstration we had. It was maybe like 10,000 people in Stockholm that came together. And it's still a big turnout. I, I I know, I know. Yeah, and especially for Sweden yeah. because people, you know, people have had it very easy here compared to a lot of countries, especially like Canada. Because in Canada, so this is my thought: is that even there, you know, a lot of people that were vaccinated, whatever, are still against the mandates a lot, and they've been suffering through lockdowns. It's not like only a certain kind of person has suffered in Canada from you know, measures and lockdowns and whatnot. Right. Yeah. But in Sweden, it's been so most people have lived pretty normal lives this entire time. Uh, and so when this thing with um, vac vaccine passports happened, we, as most people are vaccinated anyways, they were like, oh, maybe yeah, I'll show it when I go to the movies. You know, a lot of people are like that. Yeah. So it's not something that gets as much resistance when you haven't suffered through lockdown, lockdowns and whatnot. Right. As it has been, I think, in Canada. A lot of people are like, yeah, I've been screwed over now for two years. So right. I'm really with the protest. So I think that's a huge difference because and I know, you know, there are some extremists like right wing extremists in Sweden. I know exactly which groups there are. And I know when I go to a protest, it's like, okay, there are those guys. There were about like 10 or 15 of those that join in on a protest like this because they are, they hate the government basically. Mm -hmm. So they are going to be involved in anything that's like against the government. Right. No matter what way. it is. Yeah. And yeah. And what are you going to do? Are you going to like, you can't tell them to not come. Like right. if you're demonstrating, right? And right, you're you 10,000 well. people and 10. Right. Yeah, and it's also like even if you even if you don't want them to be there, you have no legal way to kick them out because they're just standing there on the street and protesting, right? Right. So they also have the legal right to protest. Right. And if you do engage them and it gets violent, then all of a sudden a fight breaks out and you know, that will just characterize the whole protest as a violent protest that's just bad and it's right wing extremists are fighting and whatnot. So that's even a lot worse right. if that happens. So 
that's why you just okay so they're walking there whatever you can't stop them you should not fight them that makes it worse so whatever you know it's also kind of hilarious that you have these speeches from people that are comparing these measures and saying like this is like nazism you know we have uh, speakers talking about how this is like kind of like what nazis did in the 30s and whatever they're creating a caste system and all these things and then you have the very few actual right-wing like neo-nazis in sweden are standing and listening to these speeches <laughs> that are like you know talking about how bad it is with <laughs> nazis which is kind of hilarious right so they are actually just protesting together with a speaker that's calling out you know nazis basically in the government so that's kind of hilarious that they suddenly we got you know nazis to protest nazism then i suppose <laughs> So that's uh, that's a bit hilarious, right? But uh, but then I saw what happened in Canada, and it's just so yeah, it's such a smart protest to be like, oh, you're not really illegal, not perfectly legal in every sense, because I guess you can't just park your car and block roads, and you will you should get parking tickets and whatnot. But you can't really stop people from just standing on a street or just stopping their car on a street. So it creates this gray zone that's really hard to handle. Right. And a lot of people do that and you have a real, so it's and really peaceful, but still having an impact that you can't really just ignore, you know? Right. Because you can ignore a normal protest kind of, just, okay, they're going to scream for a few hours and then they're going to go home. And a lot of politicians could be just like, okay, so you just ignore them for one day and then they go home. So this was entirely different. So I thought it was so interesting. So I wonder like, how did you follow it and what is happening now, you know? I think the brilliance of this protest was the fact that if the government wanted to shut it down, they had to essentially admit their own their own faults, their own... Like, you have to be nothing but ironic to say to somebody, you have to stop your protest so that businesses can open up, even though you're protesting because people cannot open their businesses, right? So it was forcing the government into this position where they were forced into a corner. And I think where... Within, I didn't agree with any blockades other than within a a few blocks of the parliament buildings. If you're anywhere other than that, don't be blockading things that's not where you're supposed to be. If you're within a few blocks of the parliament buildings, I'm sorry, but if you're a citizen that lives there or works there, if you don't appreciate blockades or protests... You should not open a business or live within blocks of your fucking nation's capital. You have the biggest country per, you know, you have the largest space per human to spread out. Go anywhere other than here. But if you don't appreciate it, then go somewhere else. Right? That's where I'm like, they, they forced, the reason that I supported the way that they executed this was because it forced those politicians to say, look... If we want to cry and say this all needs to be shut down because it's so detrimental to business, well, guess what? What has the last two years been, Um, right? What have you done to businesses the last two years? How is what you have done? You have looked people in the faces and told them, guess what? 
Your livelihood is non-essential. Even though this feeds your family, it's not essential to the province. It's not essential to the country. So we don't care. Yeah. You looked those people in yeah. the faces for two years now and said that to them. And then you want to turn around and say, we need to invoke an emergency act so that the few businesses that are in a few blocks of our parliament can open back up. It's nothing but irony, right? And you're forcing them to be in a position yeah. to say we were wrong. And clearly there are values here that are larger than shutting things down. That's why I support it. I think, uh, and that's why I think it's, yeah, I think it was the smartest thing to do. It's very smart because, they, like you say, they really created it in a way that the opposition from the government just revealed what they themselves have been doing for this entire time. Like you said, like their critique of the protests is basically, oh, they're making shutting down business they're hindering people right. they are you know make it impossible for people to go to work or go to church or go to the you know pharmacy or whatever and also i mean obviously i'm quite skeptical to those uh, descriptions of the protest because from what i've seen from you know on site from live streams and whatnot it's just like i don't think a lot of people have been stopped from going to work or moving past this area i don't think it's been dangerous to you know walk past the protesters or go to an office or... yeah yeah i mean yeah close by choice or you you know you stay home by choice because you don't want to move past these people right. but i don't think anyone has had any problem like just walking past these people yeah. i don't think they are attacking people if you're walking by you know this is why and parliament I know there's some made this argument of... thursday last week yeah. When they were arguing, they said, we have these protesters 100 meters from us. Every single MP could make it here. So how is this dangerous? That's a good argument, right? right? And still they passed it. But the next day, everything they, was shut do down he... because Trudeau wanted to make a point to say, oh, oops, I should have shut it down to make it look more yeah. dangerous, shouldn't I? Yeah. Good job, Trudeau. He really tried to do that, right? Yeah. He actually, um, did he stop the, um, the first time they were supposed to debate? I think he postponed it or uh, So Thursday they debated somehow, Thursday right? because the of the violence. Day. Thursday was the first day of debates. And then yeah. all day Thursday he got called out because there were all of them that made it. And they there was fighting. All this violence was within 100 meters of them. All this protesting was right mm. out front of their doors. So... Why are we all allowed to sit here and protest, or sit, sorry, not sit here and protest, sit here and debate when all of these protesters are 100 meters from us and they're so dangerous and they're mm. a national security threat to the point where we need an emergency order, yet we're all here yeah. convening. And then conveniently the next day, Justin Trudeau shut down parliament and said, we're not going to convene today because I'm going to go in. Yeah. Instead of just waiting four days, Till this all got through. Let's wait till Monday when this actually gets voted on by Parliament. Let's shut it down on Friday so that we can create yeah. a public scene, so that we can create some news articles, so that we can say, oh, well, we had to shut down Parliament because things were so dangerous. When realistically, yeah. the only thing that happened was Justin Trudeau had sent in, okay, we're going to start pepper straying, we're going to start really arresting people. Before we vote on it, well, let's let's do it now, right? That's that's yeah. what happened. Do you do you, 
Do you think he uh, ended the act before the Senate vote for? Because... I think he did absolutely for a reason because they would have shut Why? it down. They yeah. absolutely would have shut it down. They would have gone against You're it. You're goddamn right. They yeah. would have. And that yeah, could have caused the, that could have caused an. Our Senate so the, is and not that elected. could have caused a. And what could have happened? I heard like that could have caused a. Would that cause a non-confidence vote? I don't know. I'm only aware that it would cause a non-confidence vote if it were to be in the parliament. Okay, I'm not sure either. I obviously I don't know that much about Canadian politics more than I've been just reading right now because I was interested in it. But they would have shut it down quite likely, I suppose. That's why he ended it kind of abruptly. Right. Because basically he, they really argued for it in parliament and then what one or two days later he shuts it down. Well, the only now reason it's not needed anymore. The only reason that it was passed in our parliament was because the NDP did not want to spark an election. That's it. So we oh, have another party that did not want to have an election. And so the only reason that that party did not say no, we're going to say no, was because if they said no, would have been an election. They didn't want to be in that position. So they said, yes, let's go along because the country, if we trigger an election, then everyone's going to blame us and then we're going to get less seats. So let's just continue on. If the Senate says no, the Senate says no. I don't believe the Senate saying no yeah. triggers an election. I could be wrong, but I don't believe oh, it does. They're just the sober second thought to be able to say, we're going to say no. They're sober second thought. And to, ironically, mm -hmm. Justin Trudeau, back in 2015 when he was elected originally, one of his election promises was that he was going to abolish the Senate because there's no reason that unelected officials should ever be overriding our elected officials. So how ironic, right? Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he doesn't have the power to And do obviously that. they could have... Uh... Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. My headphone just died. Hold oh. on. Wait, I'm going to pause it. Yep. So now recording is back on and I'm unpaused and uh, I can even see you in like full color and light again because it looked like you were going into Fun. like the dark of night <laughs> it was like <laughs> black and white and really dark but that's fine it's cool I'm back you're back oh eh, fuck we we're talking about I'm back recording. yeah the whole yeah the protest or whatever is cool but okay I was just gonna okay so let's uh we actually have been talking for like uh over one and a half hours which is kind of cool. CRs, We're yeah. not quite in <laughs> Joe Rogan territory quite yet, you know, like four and a half <laughs> hours or something like that. That's that's totally fine. It's still like, you know, it's, it's respectable. And even though we're probably just talking about whatever. No, but I was thinking, <laughs> uh, I, I did follow the whole thing in Canada a lot because I also thought it was cool because it really spread to different places in the world. We did immediately get a... A group here in Sweden also were just like, oh, the convoy in Sweden and the convoy in Finland. Those didn't really pick up any steam. I know they did some really small protest. <laughs> it was like nothing happened from it. But uh, I think there's a, a good reason because then you always have immediately people complaining like, oh, it's just a big uh, disappointment or whatever. But I think for this kind of thing to to work out, you know, you need a lot of people that are fed up with they really impacted by all these measures and stuff that's been happening in Canada. And honestly, in Sweden, I thought it was horrible when they just suddenly 
put in the, the vaccine passport thing that I think is a very bad thing for the future in many ways. It's not like you can love the vaccine. It doesn't matter. Like it's bad in different ways. Right. And I think that is what we can agree on. We don't have to care about the the jab or whatever. That That is not what matters in this. And but in Sweden, still, most people have had it a lot easier. So I was wondering, like, just as a we can end on a, on a few points that I was curious to ask you about. That was uh, basically like how what's the worst thing or like how have you been impacted do you think have you been kind of going through this whole uh, era of covid like two years now have you been impacted in any bad ways definitely i think the worst thing is losing my job i mean i didn't lose my job officially but did i get laid off yes so i got laid off back when i worked in an office where it was you're always gonna be here you're never gonna work from home and I worked at a bank, so it was like a very kind of like a weird situation because of the security issue where a lot of us couldn't work from home because can we trust people to work from home when they're dealing with credit card information and all this other, you know, information. And so they had told us you couldn't work from home. I had just been hired at a bank, so I got laid off because I was within a certain I hadn't worked for the bank for a year, so you can't work from home, but we also won't let you at the office. So you're going to be laid off indefinitely until we can figure out what's going to go on. So I got laid off of my job for a while and I had to be like, oh, well, I'm going to, I guess, go on CERB or, you know, all the government assistance that some people got was different than what other people got. This is another whole issue as to what, you know, people should have gotten, what they shouldn't have gotten, what people got, what they didn't get. Whole other issue. But as far as like COVID affecting your day-to-day life, I lost my job. I could not hang out with my friends. When I was having a New Year's Eve 2020, like, ring in 2021 my Mm. friends and i were seriously concerned as to how many people we were inviting so that we weren't going to get police coming over to our house yeah it's like i ask they had a they had a limit right right and it was like we are seriously considering okay what are we going to tell the police if we have police come show up or you know like if this is like it was very serious as to what your day-to-day life looks like, you aren't going to a sit-in restaurant. You aren't doing, like, you. Ha- your entire life as you know it, most people lost their jobs or were laid off. Most people had, okay, if I want to go and see one of my friends, even if I want to go to Winners, even if I want to go to Walmart, is this, yep. you know, socially acceptable? Is this, you know, an emergency trip or is... You know, are people around me going to be like, oh, well, you didn't need to go there. You didn't need to do that. Right. So it was it was very your day to day life was absolutely upended. And two years ago, a completely different world than I live in now. And these are the best years of my life. So like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, when you're 23 to 25, these are your times to go out to the bars and have a good time and do. I am literally in a position where. 
Right. So it's like I can't go and see my friends. I can't go to parties. I can't go to the bar and enjoy myself. I can't do any of those things. I have to stay at home and, you know. So it's like you're giving up a significant portion of your youth or of your life or of, you know, and it's like it's getting to a point where it's these are irreplaceable times that we're taking from people. And it's how much is it really benefiting? And, you know, uh, there's a like a lot of people would also hear that or think about that. And they're like, oh, you know, you shouldn't complain or you shouldn't care. Like this been right. this big stigma to that, too. Right. You can't complain. You're a right. young person whatever. But I think that's also so horrible because it's also not like we've been sacrificing just adults. Right. And then you know, I, I'm thinking a lot about how, you know, what for kids that maybe they are 10 years old or eight years old or something like that to lose two years of your childhood to be like or three or locked four. into a situation oh, even more right yeah. but now at least two years to way different form of life that's i think is the even the worst thing of it all but i also think that you know for young people that are maybe 18 20 25 whatever right it is really important like two years of your life is a lot and then it's not over yeah. yet right so and it might have right. repercussions and it has a lot of repercussions for many years to come so i think it's horrible when it's presented in that way that you know especially when they're talking about non-essential things like the, your job is non-essential and people are non-essential and all these things right. Right? especially when you see the contrast also that so for me when i you know, when I leave and I walk around with my dog here around where I live, there's like three kindergartens and a few schools in my area where I just walk around. And this entire time, yeah. right, I'm seeing all kids are out playing. No one has a mask. There's been zero masks on kids this entire time. They are not socially distancing. They're just wrestling around and playing like they're completely normal. Like every child in this right. town, if you As haven't told be. them... Yeah, if you haven't really told them anything, it's going to be like maybe they hardly noticed that because, you know, yeah, people are not just dropping like flies everywhere and getting sick and dying. It's not there have been people that, you know, a lot of people die and a lot of people get sick, but it's not like you see it everywhere in your world when you walk around in any way. I don't know anybody so, who's died from COVID personally. Yeah, me neither. Or no, I don't know anyone personally. I don't know anyone that's gotten sick enough to go to the hospital you know same i i know a few people that i I know a bunch of people now that's had it but just from you know taking a test everyone i know that's had covid had basically like three days of fever sore throat and some coughing in some some of them and like two of them lost their taste for a week i think but other than that it's just been nothing really i know like like my dad knows someone that was really sick and like that, you know, in secondhand kind of acquaintances. And right. there was one person at my company of a few hundred people that died. I don't know how sick or not he was. Like if he had, maybe he had some other disease or whatnot. I actually don't know. It's no one I, I don't know him. I never talked to him or anything. So yeah, and people die and people have died from this, but people have died from many things. And I just feel like, especially from you know viewpoint of the children in our society that's not getting sick that it's so 
weird and horrible. And then also for young people, it's just like you shouldn't disregard two, three, four years of someone's life at any point, you know. And for me, right. one of the biggest tragedies here is just the old people also that we basically locked into elder care facilities. They weren't allowed to like meet their families and grandkids and whatnot. And I want to know how many of those people have died now that maybe this was the last or second last of their years alive. I mean, anyways, I had two grandparents die in 2020. And that's the thing is that I couldn't go and see any of them. We couldn't even have proper funerals because see, that's insane. Oh, well, right? COVID, right? And it, it is fucking insane. And it's like the fact that you can't go and be the fact that I was allowed to be my by one of my grandmother's side. And that was an exception to the rule. Oh, we're letting the family be in because she's in palliative care. This is a special thing. The fact that, mm. that it was considered even a question is disgusting to me. Yeah. The amount of people that died alone, that's disgusting. It's not okay. And yeah. what did we really gain, right? Like, what did we save by doing that? We just yeah. really fucked some people over. And you remove their choice. You remove, like, so if I'm, if I'm 92 years old when this whole thing hits in 2020, yeah. uh, in 2020, and they're saying, like, yeah, you, you're, are, at risk to getting sick and maybe dying if you meet your grandkids right now. Right. I mean, you're obviously at le less of a risk if they are, you know, not showing any symptoms, but maybe there's a risk anyways. But I could right. very well be like, okay, there's a risk, but I'm 92 years old. I might die, right. you know, this year, you know. I want to spend like every day with my grandkids, even if that could make me sick and die. It's insane right. that you don't have that choice, right? Right. And that's just those things are what makes me really angry with this whole thing. And then you can see the very like huge difference in how we've been living and how you've been living. Right. Because that right. is one of the issues about meeting your uh, grandparents and everything like that. But otherwise, a lot of most people here have lived quite normally. They've lived differently just from fear and, you know, concern. But they've always been you know it's been, been able their choice to meet their, they've been able to meet their friends and what it's just been counted on that people are going to be way more careful because there's a dangerous virus out there but you could always meet your friends but meanwhile i have friends in germany where they just passed the rule that you can only meet one friend you know in like 2020 they passed this that if you go outside you could only meet one friend you couldn't so yeah. if you're three friends walking down the street that was illegal so yeah. stuff like that is just ours was like that beyond too. insane, right? Yeah, it was like that. Yeah, and you had a lot of lockdowns and stuff. It was right? like so... you couldn't have more than a five-person gathering, where it's like okay, yeah. so or you couldn't interact with someone other than your bubble. So if you lived alone, you could go to say, I, if I lived alone, I could go to my parents' bubble, but that's all I could interact with. Couldn't interact with anybody else, right? It's like yeah. we have to like talk again and maybe go to detail about those whole things because Definitely. those concepts are just so wild that everyone now has a concept of what a social bubble is that the government has created a whole concept that yeah you know that sounds just like something that you would hear about from north korea or china or something where you have like this is your social unit that you're you know yeah. permitted to interact with 
these five people in your social unit. I mean, that's just insane to me to hear that. And yeah. I know that those things existed and maybe exist, but here it's been, it was just a very consistent uh, direction here of uh, recommendations. Like we recommend that you do this. We recommend that you do that. We're not passing laws for this and this and this, but then they started passing a few, they did pass a law and they started restriction like, how many people can be in a business at the same time. So like, oh, in this business, yeah. you can only be 150 people at the same time. But for one thing, I don't think they really count. And it's also like, there was, the number was so high that I don't think it affected a lot. You know, in some cases they had to, like restaurants had to remove some tables to create more space. That was like the most harsh restrictions for, I think, restaurants. And they closed down nightclubs. So it was like, it was fine to have restaurants and bars open, but they closed down nightclubs at, you know, pretty early or like the bar was closed pretty early. So you can still go out to a restaurant and drink, but you couldn't party to four in the morning anywhere, you know? So that's why I also, I think like in regard to these protests, you can't get protests going in the same sense here because I mean, this whole time I could go out with my friends to a bar, you know, and, uh, right. You don't my, have the same. Yeah. It's not affected in the same way. We didn't, if you lost your job, that was because the, they, maybe they were working in a certain field where the business like were bad for some reason during this era. It wasn't, right. it was very restricting one your, it wasn't restricting your access to going somewhere. It was more like, Oh, Maybe you're working in a field that's just tanking right now because of the international situation or whatever, and that might yeah. cause that. But otherwise, you it was just... You have a tourism yeah, could, job or, you know, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and you might lose your job because of that. And then there were some government packages of like, yeah, we're going to pay a part of your salary if you have to stay home because you don't have enough to do at work or whatever. See, I worked at a bank and I lost my job. <laughs> but it, it's weird because you feel like if you work at a bank, like someone has to do that job, right? How can you lose that job? And you couldn't go into work and you couldn't work from home, but how could it operate without people doing those? That's why they ended jobs? up after a few months, they ended up having to just say, fuck it. We're just going to say, all right, we'll let these people work and fuck it. But and they're in even a worse spot than I, because I, since I left, they're even even in a very worse spot because nobody wants to work. But so to, that's to a jump whole ahead other a little problem. bit, <laughs> I, I'm just curious now because now we had the protest. I'm just a little bit curious to jump ahead a little bit to here because now I saw there was still a protest in Ottawa, I think, or something like that, like today or yesterday. I read something, there are, but I'm wondering. I'm not sure. I'm just wondering, like, what do you think? Are, are go are the mandates and restrictions going to be removed now entirely in the whole country? Or what do you think is going to happen right now? As far as I know, most provinces are lifting most like most restrictions by March 1st. As far as I know, it is yeah. province by province. So I'm not sure if they're waiting for Justin Trudeau to either put out a response to them in general to say, hey, I'm going to sit down and talk to you because I don't think it's outrageous for them to want that but i don't know if yeah. it's that they're waiting for him to sit down and talk to them or if they're waiting for him to put out a statement to say 
across Canada, you must not, doesn't matter what your province is, you cannot put these restrictions on the provinces. I'm not sure. It is interesting to me because I thought after, you know, over the last week or so, most provinces have said we're lifting even mask restrictions by March. So I don't know what else we're really looking for because like vaccine mandates are the first ones back. Like masks are like the very last thing we're going to get rid of. Mm. So I'm not sure exactly why they're still persisting with it in Ottawa. Other than wanting, right, exactly. Other than wanting Trudeau to officially come out and speak with them, which I don't, I don't think is outrageous. And I don't think is asking a lot. If you're a leader in the country, you need to fucking sit down and talk to them. Stop running away and sit down and talk to them and make them go home and say, look, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to resolve it. This is how we're going to move on. I was curious to hear, like, if you thought that the restrictions are getting lifted everywhere now and... Maybe they don't even have to do it, uh, you know, federally or whatever you call it. Because if the provinces do it one by one, that Trudeau can be like, oh, it's up to them and they're doing whatever. Right. And he doesn't need to actually do anything. Just let them. But do you think that's going, it's going in that direction? Do you think even the like vax mandates is going to go away or? I think so. Yeah. I mean, Ontario, most provinces have said at least by March 1st, Vaccine mandates are going to be gone. Masks are another story. They might stick around longer. But I think the big issue and the reason that everyone ended up congregating in Ottawa is because Trudeau had said, if you want to cross our borders as a trucker, Mm. you have to be vaccinated. And so that was the biggest thing that tipped all of this off. And that's why a lot of the truckers were involved in this. And that's what really set things off is to say we already have supply chain issues you cannot say like we need these truckers going back and forth and a month ago you said they were fucking heroes so why are you now denying their jobs because they didn't get the fucking pfizer vaccine or the moderna vaccine like it's really about money at this point and i'm like you know what how much has pfizer moderna paid justin trudeau god knows I don't know, but I wouldn't be like. I'm saying even though most truckers were vaccinated, right? So it's a bit odd that that had such a big impact still. But I guess that's why I feel like it's so, it's also a lot of other things. That's everything that's been happening for two years kind of boiling over more more so Mm -hmm. than this being the main and only issue that, you know, because it's not only truckers protesting. Obviously, it was a lot of other people joined in, and that's why it became so big. But obviously, that was one thing that happened. But it's, it's just interesting how, yeah, it's one thing that just like yeah. pushes it over the edge and makes it uh, boil over, so to speak. But uh, right. So yeah, it's probably gonna. Op- they, it doesn't feel like they can go in the other direction and just like no, let's have more mandates again and let's introduce this uh, restriction again because. Especially when you see in other places in the world, everyone is kind of opening up and even places that have been restricted. It's just going to be weird for people that, let's say people that really didn't want to get the vaccine or whatever. And then it's like, no, but I really need to keep my job now, like a month ago, right? And now in a month, they just remove the mandates and be like, okay, so I was forced a month ago, but now two months later, it's like, no, it's fine. You don't have to. It's fine. It's got to be weird for people, right? Even, I mean... 
Because, yeah, people who didn't want to, whatever, got forced into it. And then two months later, it's like, yeah, you don't have to. We, you know, it's not the science is different now, so you don't have to care about it. Uh, yeah. Before we, we uh, I was just curious about, because that was like, I, yeah, the worst thing for you, I guess, is that, yeah, losing your job, obviously, is really bad. And then also just the whole social thing. I think it's underplayed how important that is with losing just social interaction and one thing i was talking about a lot about with friends and family i think in right away in in 2020 i was seeing a lot because i have friends in different places in the world from when i was studying abroad so i was talking to them a lot in the beginning and i heard like all these kind of weird uh, lockdowns and whatever that they did in so many places and for me it just i'm a very social person as well and i like you know i'm extroverted i suppose and I know mm-hmm. for people like me and a lot of other people who are like that, that that's really important. And there's a lot of people who are, let's say, depressed in some sense. And mm-hmm. they are held together by being able to be social with people. So if they mm-hmm. didn't have social interaction and a lot of social interaction, that could easily just push them over the edge to becoming really severely depressed or really yeah, going down a really bad path. And that's mm-hmm. also not something that you can just recover from really quick. Like it, if you have to do that for two years and then, oh, no, now you can meet friends again. They might be pushed into such a state of depression that that's not disappearing because you lift a restriction or a mandate. Right. Right. And uh, that's something that so when you talk about like, oh, I'm if people who are 25, 23, whatever. Right. And lose that time of their life. That's really important. but. But also a lot of those people who are in that situation might, you know, really need that, you know, because otherwise they might fall into really bad things. Mm -hmm. And that's just completely ignored. It's not something that anyone took into consideration from doing these measures and mandates and whatever. I think those are the things that we we could talk a lot about, like a lot more. I think people should have talked about it back then. I I know I had discussions with people about that then, but here it was different, right? People don't get so hyped up about something that's happening in Germany or Canada or something like, you know, it's people still think about what's happening around them. And here you could still interact with the people. So I just think that that is a, a really negative thing that's kind of ignored, you know? No, I totally agree. And even before the pandemic happened, I mean, in Canada, we had an epidemic. Like I lost more friends than I can count on one hand to suicide before I was 21 years old. So like I, I have seen the effects of mental health issues, addiction issues. My city, I've seen it turn into an absolute shit show with addiction issues and people that are addicted to drugs. So I'm like the fact that this country was willing to put the brakes on the whole country and spend billions on a disease that was realistically killing a small percentage of our seniors, but yet wasn't willing to do that for diseases that were killing significant amounts of their populations of young people that sticks with me and that is always something that I will look at our government as you know what do you really yeah. honestly care about public health and 
saving lives because my friends, I've attended many of my friends' funerals and no one seemed, they like to talk about, oh, this is a problem and let's raise awareness, but no one would spend any money to do anything about it, right? No one would ever, but yet we would be willing to shut down the country for coronavirus, right? So it's like some things matter and some things don't. And that is something societally we have to take a look at. And some things, it doesn't matter if it kills people or not. Some things matter and some things don't. It's an interesting topic, but what matters and what doesn't and why? It would be interesting to talk a lot more about just that, because that is something that I also find very interesting. I mean, it's horrible, but it's, it's something that should be talked more about. And I think it's interesting to examine but you said you had uh, several friends that you had to go to their funerals that seems horrible from absolutely what? yeah oh yeah from just suicides really it was that yeah common is it like connected yeah. to drug use or something else that's the main issue here or is it just and here it used to be Like it was, and this really pissed me off, but it was around the time that I was losing my friends was framed as an aboriginal issue. This is just a young person issue in my generation where this is like by the time I was 21, I I lost your audio for a bit. Sorry. Are you, am I back? Uh, it's uh, somehow. I can hear you. Okay, I resumed it. It works. I thought it was just a connection. Yeah, but you said it, you were saying it was uh, framed as an uh, what Aboriginal issue somehow. Right. So like, there is lots of people on Aboriginal reserves that were facing the exact same issues. It was the exact same problem happening to the white kids as was happening to the Aboriginal kids. But for some reason, this was Aboriginal problems in this country. That's a whole other yeah. thing. But but yeah, I've lost many of my friends. I, c- I could hear you kind of. I thought the connection was just crapping out a little bit. But yeah, it's a... Uh, I mean, uh, we-, we can talk more about that sometime, I think, if you want to. It's, it's quite... It's interesting to me. It's and a whole I have other some issue. V- yeah, and I have various experiences with, you know, similar topics without having a, a bunch of friends, you know, taking their lives. I haven't had that, but there are definitely huge issues here with uh, just mental health and everything like that. And I find it quite interesting to to just delve into, I suppose. And I have my own, you know, experiences and whatnot. So I think that's interesting, but I th- also, you know, it's just been completely ignored during this time as well that yeah, you know it's the whole thing again we're talking about it's about also yeah the whole risk management thing and hyper focusing on one thing and just ignore everything else and whatever as long as you're not you know if you say something then you're kill you're killing grandma you know basically all the time yeah. right so um, that's how it has been but okay so before we end i was want to ask like has there been anything that you think that's uh, has there come anything good out of these two years that you think some some effect of these two years that you feel like, oh, this is actually a good thing that's happened? I think there is a certain amount of 
I think there's a certain amount of division, but I think that there is a certain amount of this has brought some people together. But I also think that there are people like my boyfriend and I, we got together just before the pandemic started. Oh, no. Uh, I started it again anyways, before we, because uh, you were saying like, you, you thought, the, um, what was the most positive thing you thought about? Oh, yeah, I think realistically, I think it has brought some people together. But I think it's kind of like war where like, Oh. Like, my boyfriend and I got together just before the pandemic started. Do I think that we probably are closer because we've gone through a pandemic together? Probably. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But, yeah. I mean, do you get closer to some people because you only have a few friends left? And is that a positive? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you can view it as a positive and you can, you can learn from a bad situation, right? But it's yeah. interesting just to to think about it because whenever I go through a bad, when I've gone through something like a bad time in life, let's say, in retrospect, I don't want to think about it as just lost time. So I wouldn't want to think about two years as like I lost two years, right? So I always think in some sense that if it was normal and everything was good, I probably wouldn't have gotten something, you know, that I've gotten now. So that's a way I think to, to spin things in a positive way, but it's also, I think, you know, how life is in a way, but I know what you mean. Obviously going through something that's a bad situation will bring certain people together and in, you know, in different ways that they couldn't have otherwise. I, I think that I was just thinking some of the positive, well, one, <laughs> it's just a stupid thing, right? But a positive thing for, me and I know some people that think the same way that I hated going to the office. You know, <laughs> I don't like to work <laughs> yeah. in an office. So whenever you can walk from home for two years, it's just, I mean, that, that seems like bad to say because I know a lot of people that have, people lo lose their jobs and can't live normal lives, right? And I'm like, oh, it's nice to not have to go to the office. I Hell yeah. Hell yeah, I'd be on your side too. If it means going you know, to the office can... or not, that's a positive. Fuck yeah. It removes a lot of, uh, yeah, it just takes a lot of life out of me to go to the office and have to sit there and go to those coffee breaks and whatever, right? I, I really like just, I can do my job and I can go walks and with my dog and I can still meet. But then if I'm allowed to meet friends and everything, right, which I have been, you know, still, we have been allowed to and we, uh, I used to uh, train with this kind of a, like an obstacle course racing club. And we had this, you know, we were up and running this whole time and there was no like outages that we, we couldn't go to train and work out and meet each other and stuff like that. So we were always like, it was always possible to do that. So that I had that social thing that entire time, you know, kind of, even though people didn't want to party and hang out like that, people still met up you know, especially outside yeah yeah outside like you know, everyone went outside here pretty much people were kind of scared to have you know parties inside so they were always outside instead that was just like a little revolution i think that people found the outdoors a lot of pe additional people started being out in the forest a lot more here compared to before you know because like, oh, we can't really, we are recommended to not have parties inside. So 
we have a birthday party in the forest instead. That's how people, you know, handle it here. That's, that's so a bonus. I, I think that was a cool thing because that is actually a good development. Like people found Definitely. the outdoors, you know. Yeah. Like, but then a lot of people, I think most people just go back to their ways now that they are allowed to do everything inside again. But, you know, maybe a few percent still, you know, spend more time outdoors and whatever. And I think this also made it possible here for companies to to restructure and be like, hey, we don't even have to have uh, office space anymore. We can actually do our right. job remotely. And I know right. a lot of people who don't like that, but there's also a lot of possibilities in that that you have, like you can live anywhere and you can still right. have a good job. Yeah. So we have a lot of these, I guess in Canada, this would exist too, like small cities that have been dying for decades, basically people can't live there. They're moving out. They just like old people still living in these places. There's... Yeah. And it's kind of like just falling apart. So now, you know, 20 families could move to anywhere in these small cities and kind of create a new city. You can still work remotely then. There's a lot of opportunities like that. So I think that is a really possible, positive thing. That's, you know, the good part of a possible new normal kind of, which is, uh, I hate the term, but it's, you know, if you view it in a positive light, then something like that might happen. And I love everything that's related to decentralization, right? So if that's a yeah. possible thing to do, that people can move away from cities and become more you know, live wherever, then also cities have less power. And I think that's a would be a great development if the big cities have less power over everyone, you know, just more people live in small cities and everywhere. And that's actually more possible now that these companies are like, hey, it still worked and we can make money from not having office space. So, yeah. Yeah, you can save a lot of money. You can make a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, money is yeah. how this is the big main motivator, right? They're, they're going to say some other yeah. reason, but if money motivates, then that can actually happen. At least here, your main, <laughs> your main focus is your shareholder. So if you can make more money for them, that's what you're obligated to do, right? So. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, uh, we talked for a long time. And it was, you know, besides some technical <laughs> Some <issue>. technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> it was still cool. Yeah, this is awesome. Let's, uh, I'm going to stop. I think we're going to, I think uh, it's getting later as well. So I'm going to be like, yeah. yeah, this, let's see if I can, if it works and patch this together. But uh, yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, let's stop this and uh, see you around.